it was late. It certainly wasn't great, but Arsenal squeezed past West Ham United to maintain their 100% record at the start of the new Premier League season. We're going to be dissecting that game, taking your thoughts, your questions and reacting to your comments on this live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by Manscaped.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this episode, we're going to be looking back at the narrow victory over West Ham United. Arsenal maintain their 100% start to the Premier League season. As I said in my intro, it was late. It wasn't great. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't vintage Arsenal by any stretch of the imagination. But we got over the line. We got three points on the board and we march on. It's all about momentum at this point in the season. We know when we look around the entire Premier League that there are a number of sides that aren't completely firing on all cylinders. I feel like last weekend's fixture was... It gave us a little bit of a false dawn in the sense of it looked as though Arsenal were probably further along um, than we actually were because of the, the lack of quality uh, and the lack of competition provided by our opponents that day in Fulham. Um, but this was always going to be a, a difficult game. And I said that in the preview show. I spoke about the fact that it's a David Moyes side. Um, we knew that what they were going to bring to the table. We knew they were going to come and be organised. They switched to a back three. It's pretty much a back five most of the time. But they were still able to cause us some issues on the counter-attack. We're going to go into that in a little bit more detail a little bit later on in the programme. But um, first of all, I want to say a massive hello to everyone who's joining us live. Um, hit the uh, hit the like button on whichever platform it is you're joining us from. If you haven't already, subscribe to the channel. If you are new, we are approaching 9,000 YouTube subscribers. So if you're watching us via YouTube, be sure to hit that button um, if you are watching the video for the first time time get your comments in get your questions in throughout and i'll be coming to as many of those as i possibly can between now and the end of the broadcast let's begin by looking at the team that arsenal started with and there were a couple of changes uh, from the side that won at fulham um david lewis still not deemed 100 percent fit i guess um he did come on uh, late on but was it because Mikel arteta wanted to show faith in the team that had served him so well uh, last weekend. Is that why he left him out? I'm not entirely sure what the reasoning behind that was, because as I've said to you guys previously, I do expect David Lewis to still be uh, an important part of Mikel Arteta's side moving forward. Um, let's start looking at that starting the lineup, though. Forget the substitutes for a moment. Uh, it was Bernd Leno in goal. It was a back three of holding uh, Gabriel Kolasinac. He, of course, came into the team late um, after Rob... Uh, Rob after uh, Kieran Tierney, I should say, uh, picked up a little bit of an injury in the warm-up. But it's not an injury as such. We were told that he felt sort of a, a tightness in, in a muscle um, prior to kick-off. And so Mikel Arteta decided not to risk it, uh, not to run the risk and to uh, leave him out, essentially. And I think it was probably the right decision. Um, you know, the medical staff would have made that decision. Mikel Arteta would have been involved in that as well and you know you still thought that going into a game like this at home would be all right with with Cola we'd be all right with um 
him alongside Gabriel and Holding, given the display that we saw just last weekend. Now, we'll come on to talk about individual performances a little bit later on, but let's move into the, the rest of the side. Um, on the left, it was Bukayo Saka operating as kind of like a left wing back, but we know that when Arsenal have the ball, that isn't really what the player in that role is asked to do. They are asked to join the midfield and become one of the midfielders um, with Hector Bellerin tucking in at right back and then it just becoming a back four with the left-sided centre-back, in this case, Kalasinac, just shifting uh, one position over. Um, so that was that. Uh, of course, Bellerin, as I said, was on the other the other side and the midfield pivot was Danny Ceballos and Granit Xhaka. Of course, Mohamed Elneny, despite performing really well, I thought, um, at Fulham, he was left out. Uh, he was left out of the side uh, to be replaced by Danny Ceballos, who, of course, I guess wasn't quite ready uh, for the trip to Fulham. It's, um, you know, it's been a strange pre-season for Danny Ceballos. He returned to Madrid. They wanted to keep him, as we know. Um, we thought they were going to play hardball and they weren't going to allow him uh, to join us at all. But eventually a deal was agreed. And um, yeah, he's back at Arsenal when he was in the centre of the midfield. Front three was the same as at Fulham, understandably so, given the quality of the performance. And it was Aubameyang, Lacazette and Willian uh, leading the line for the Gunners. Of course, Aubameyang playing from the left as he has been doing so often lately. But of course, having that licence, having that freedom to drift in field. Um, Lacazette, of course, playing as an almost false number nine, dropping that a little bit deeper at times with Willian playing a very similar role to the one he did at Fulham as well in terms of starting wide, but also having that license to drift in field. Um, looking at West Ham's team just quickly, it was Lucas Fabianski, former Arsenal man, of course, in goal. Uh, Ryan Fredericks at right back with Arthur Masuaku on the left. It was a back three of Diop, Ogbonna and Cresswell with Suchek and Rice in the centre of the midfield. Bowen operating from the right for Nows from the left and Mikhail Antonio leading the line for David Moyes' side. Um, so a very defensive setup from West Ham, but that's what we expected. We expected them to come there. We expected them to be stubborn, to be physical, to do what they did to us essentially prior to the lockdown when we just about got over the line with a 1-0 win. So there were no surprises in terms of what they brought to the table, at least not from my perspective anyway. Um... Just let me know, guys, if you're having any issues uh, with the sound at the moment, because I'm getting a little bit of a lag at my end. So uh, just let me know in the chat if it's an issue. Um, fingers crossed. I think we've gotten past it now, hopefully. Uh, but just let me know. Um, right. Let's go on to talk about the game uh, a little bit more. Let's talk about uh, some of the stuff that was happening in terms of um, you know, the way the game unfolded. Uh, thanks to Marble Halls TV for letting me know in the chat that the sound is all right, because... At my end, it's I can hear stuttering a little bit. So just wanted to double check that because if it's a problem, um, I want to know so I can try and fix it. Thank you guys uh, for your live feedback. Right, let's uh, kick off by talking um, about Arsenal's opening goal. Now, it was a really well-worked goal against a really stubborn West Ham United side. We know that, as I've talked about their formation already, very uh, deep-lying um, and trying to restrict the space in behind. The space that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang exposes so bloody well and as you'll see in this screen grab here uh, from the game uh, you'll see this was one of the few times actually that Arsenal managed to slip Aubameyang in and we keep talking about Aubameyang from the left that is Aubameyang in between um, 
the player on the right and the right-sided centre-back. He just occupies that space, picks up that position on the pitch and just, you know, he's on his toes, he's ready to go. And fortunately for Arsenal, Bukayo Saka finds him. Now, you'll have seen the game. You know this ends up um, with Alexander Lacazette heading the ball into the back of the net and past Lucas Fabianski. But there's just a couple of bits I want to highlight here. Um, keep an eye on Willian as we transition these screenshots because Willian plays an incredible role in this goal. Uh, incredible is probably the wrong word. An important role uh, in this goal. And you'll see it unfold now. So as Aubameyang goes through, he looks up and you can see Willian has made that right that run almost from right to left. He gets in between a couple of centre-backs, causes a little bit of confusion. But the brilliant thing about what Willian does here is he continues the run. And Alexander Lacazette has that presence of mind to see William making that run and to just hold up a second. And you'll see it in this next screen grab where Aubameyang comes to cut the ball back by William continuing that run to the edge of the six-yard box. He has taken two West Ham United defenders with him, clearing the space for Alexander Lacazette to head that into the back of the net and put Arsenal 1-0 up. Now, prime example of Arsenal sucking an opponent in again, moving the ball quickly, incisively, Finding a Bamiyang in that space that he has um, that he has been so good at picking up lately, it being cut back, and there there was Alexander Lacazette to head it home. So, a well worked goal from Arsenal, um, and it was one of the few bright sparks in what was actually a really disappointing performance. I thought. Um, let's move on to talk about an incident where it's caused quite a bit of controversy, actually, particularly given some of the other incidents that we've seen in the Premier League this weekend. Um, and it was the penalty appeal that West Ham had uh, courtesy of Gabriel. So if I just show you here a screenshot of that, you can see the balls come across the Arsenal penalty area. Gabriel has put his head in there, um, you know, to head this clear. I don't for a second doubt that his intention was to head that ball clear. But unfortunately, that's not happened. It's come off the, the shoulder. And, um, you know, we saw a little bit earlier on Saturday, actually, a controversial penalty awarded in the game between Manchester United and Crystal Palace. And it's been made very, very clear, isn't it, that that part of the arm it is not classed as a handball offence anymore. That's what we're seeing. Um, that's the kind of rhetoric we're being given at the moment from the officials. Um, and so it was the right call not to give this as a penalty. Now, I'm not going to lie. There was a couple of moments, weren't there, uh, during that game where Gabriel looked as if he was going to cost us. Um I didn't think it was a great performance uh, from from Gabriel overall. Um, some people may disagree with that, but I always feel like to, for me to say a defender's had a good game, I have to have felt comfortable with him. And there were moments in yesterday's game where I didn't feel comfortable with Gabriel. We're going to come on to talk about him in a little bit more detail a little bit later on. But I just wanted to touch on that incident because I know a lot of West Ham fans were angry about that. A lot of neutrals feel it should have been a penalty. But actually, you'll see where the ball has hit him on his arm there. Uh, in line with the new guidelines and the new rules, new laws, as the officials like to call them, they were correct not to give that um, as a penalty. Moving on, let's look at West Ham United's equaliser, uh, which came right on the stroke of half-time, disappointingly. Uh, Mikel Antonio uh, with that one. And... Um, yeah, as I said, it was it's a horrible time to concede a goal uh, just sort of on the break. And it's an awkward time because when you would be going in a goal to the good and in the driving seat and hoping that your, uh, you know, your opponents have, have been a little bit disheartened, they've almost been 
well, they've almost earned themselves a new lease of life right on the stroke of half time. But again, this was Arsenal making it difficult for themselves. And Mikel Arteta spoke about that, didn't he, in his post-match interview. That Arsenal made this game a lot more difficult than it needed to be. And we're going to look at look at this goal in a little bit more detail. So you'll just see here, um, I think it's Jared Bowen carrying the ball forward. I think it's Pablo Fornals on the outside making that run. And, and if you just look, and for those of you listening on audio, I'll explain it. If you just have a look at Rob Holding and you see Mikel Antonio has picked up a position in between Gabriel and Rob Holding, as all good centre forwards do, you, you try and get into that sort of no man's land, that empty space and, and cause a little bit of confusion among the centre halves with regards to who is actually um, supposed to go and cover the man. Now, in this instance, I think you can forgive Gabriel for Antonio eventually getting free in the penalty area because he's got his back to him. It's not his responsibility for me. For me, this is down to Rob Holding. Rob Holding is um, is looking at Mikel Antonio. He's aware of his position all the time as West Ham carried the ball down the flank. We progress it a little bit more. He lays the ball off Jared Bowen to Pablo Fornals and Rob Holding is completely the wrong side of Mikel Antonio. He's allowed the player to get a march on him. He's allowed the player to, to get in front of him. He's goal side Mikel Antonio. And the minute this ball comes across the penalty area, we are in deep, deep shit. Now, Rob Holding is pointing at, I think it's Suchek, who is on the edge of the D and is approaching the penalty area, looking to you know follow up or perhaps get in a position for a cutback. And it feels to me like Rob Holding is just too occupied with what Thomas Suchek is doing. And he just completely loses track of, of Mikel Antonio, allows him to steal a march. And we know that Mikel Antonio is no slouch. Once he gets the wrong side of you, you're done. And and when this ball comes across, um, which it does just sort of a, a split second later, well, Rob Holding's never getting back in position. He's never going to get goal side of Mikel Antonio there. And again... It's all because he's been paying attention. He's been caught in two minds between dealing with Suchek and dealing with Antonio's run. Now, my answer to this is simple. If Rob Holding keeps the right side of Mikel Antonio, does his job on the West Ham striker and Thomas Suchek comes in behind him and puts the ball in the back of the net, then as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure as far as most people are concerned, Rob Holding's done his bit. Rob Holding's done his job. And then you've got to be pointing fingers at the likes of Granite Xhaka, at the likes of uh, Danny Ceballos, who have clearly not tracked their man. But Rob Holding's indecision here, Rob Holding getting caught in two minds, has caused Arsenal a massive problem here. And the minute the ball comes across the penalty area, Mikel Antonio is the favourite to get there. He's always going to get there first. And he turns it in uh, to level things for West Ham United. So, Really frustrating goal to concede. I've spoken about the timing of it right on half time, which is even more annoying. Um, but yeah, it, it just it it kind of come as a reminder, didn't it? That actually, you know, we, we still haven't completely turned the corner. And I think we're always going to have bad games along the way in, in, in terms of our development. There are going to be games where we don't perform. There are going to be games where these defensive lapses, they, you know, they become a problem. Now, if you look at the sort of first choice defence that Mikel Arteta has built over the last, look, towards the back end of last season and, and at the start of this season, I, or he, who he would have wanted to play, you'd have been probably looking at David Luiz, Kieran Tierney both being in there and neither of them were available um, in the end. David Luiz came on later as a substitute, but as in to start, 
none of them were in the 11. And I think you see that as much as some people sit there and say, it doesn't matter who plays now because the, the system is so uh, organized. It's so well worked. It's so good that actually, you know, whether it's Lewis, whether it's Kalasinac, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Well, that is nonsense. And that has proven to be the case here because Kalasinac was not at the races. Um, again, uh, you know, I didn't think Gabriel was particularly good yesterday either. Um, and then, of course, we've seen that the fact that we missed Kieran Tierney. And Kieran Tierney just switches from that left centre-back role to the left-back role almost seamlessly. And that has been a real feature of this team's success lately. But him not being there, Kalasinac maybe not mobile enough to do that, um, maybe not comfortable uh, in the centre-back part of it and unable to sort of, you know, switch between the two positions. So, yeah, I, I just, it was clear that those two players... That were missing and, and we really, really did miss them in the end. Um, let's talk a little bit about the individual performances now. And you, you'll see the player ratings um, on the screen. Uh, they're provided by whoscored.com. They're not my player ratings. Um, and some of them actually, I think you could question. Um, and I'm just going to zoom in on them. Uh, a little bit so you guys can see in, in more detail for those of you currently watching us on YouTube at the moment. Um, Burn Leno got 6.3 out of 10. I thought Burn Leno was awful yesterday. And all those people who have been sitting there going, oh, we shouldn't have sold Martinez. Martinez should have been the number one. I know it's harsh to judge Burn Leno on one game, but they kind of, you could see all of the things that those people have been saying. All of the the reasons that Burn Leno is seen by some as not quite top, top level. You saw them come to the foref forefront. You saw him coming out. He wasn't dominant at all. His distribution was poor again. Um, there was one particular incident um, in the second half where he come out to claim a ball. And I've got to admit, when we were watching it at the time, I thought the guy had hurt himself and I, I, I feared the worst. But he ended up dropping the ball behind him. And you just can't do things like that. And, and Burn Leno just doesn't give you that comfort at the back. And yes, there's been some really good Bernardino performances since he come to Arsenal, but there's been some bad ones as well. Yesterday was one of the bad ones. And I think that the 6.3 out of 10 is actually a very generous rating. Serkalasinac, 6.3 as well, according to whoscored.com. Um, yeah, um, again, I think that's generous. Gabriel, 7.4. I think that's generous as well. As I've said, I I thought it was probably the best of the three defenders yesterday, but he still had some moments where he left us with our hearts in our mouths. Some moments where we really feared sort of the consequences of, of you know, some of his actions. Obviously, the handball incident, which I touched upon earlier, wasn't a handball for me. Shouldn't have been a penalty, but just giving the referee that option, giving the officials that option is just ludicrous. How do you misjudge a ball like that as a centre-back. Keep your eyes open. Put your head there. You should be watching the ball all the way. And he's just completely lost track of the flight of the ball. And he's actually fortunate that it struck him on that sort of upper part of the arm rather than anywhere else. Because make no mistake about it, the, the VAR officials were would have definitely pointed to the spot had it hit him somewhere else. So you've got to be so, so careful in those situations. 6.9 for Saka. I didn't think it was a great performance from Bukayo Saka, but um, he played a crucial part in both goals, uh, did Bukayo Saka, and that is, I guess, why his rating is what it is. Uh, Hector Bellerin, six and a half. 
out of 10. Probably a fair rating. Xhaka, 6.8. Probably a little bit generous. Gave the ball away a lot. Um, Danny Sabayos. I don't know how Danny Sabayos has got 8.6 out of 10 here. Um, it's a travesty, to be honest, um, because I didn't think he was worthy of that at all. Let's, um, let me just bring you on to some of the actual statistics that I want to touch upon, because we're looking at Granite Xhaka, for example, um, past success rate, 86%. Now, you can't play in such a key area of Arsenal's team in the heart of the midfield and only have a pass success rate of 86%. Now, some people will probably argue that that's actually not that bad. It's an awful pass success rate, I think, um, from from that kind of position. You know, I I, I, I just don't think it's good enough. Sorry, apologies, it's 90 um, on here. I was looking at the wrong bit. Um, hold on a second. No, that's highlighting uh, Danny Sabal. Sorry, guys. Sorry. There we go. There we go. 90%. Um, from Granite Xhaka. Whether it's 86, whether it's 90, it's still not good enough. You've got to be looking closer to that 95% pass success rate uh, in this league, in that position. It's such a key position for Arsenal in terms of progressing the play, in terms of moving the ball forward. And we're not, we, we didn't see that yesterday. We saw the old Granite Xhaka creep back in where he plays those suicidal passes, gives the ball away in dangerous areas, and it just wasn't good to see at all. Um, let's bring Danny Sabas into the mix. Another one, 90% success rate. It's not good enough. Um, as I said, I want to see at least 95% um, in the centre of the midfield. That is such an important position. And while we're on the subject of past success rates, if we go back to Gabriel, um, 93% is okay, but it was down um, from the past success rate we saw him have against uh, against Fulham. Kalasinac, 87 um, not good enough. Uh, holding 86, not good enough. And when you're talking about these possessions, you know, these positions in particular, it's worrying. You don't mind necessarily if uh, a forward player's pass success rate isn't great um, because you know that they're trying things. They're trying to open a team up. Therefore, risks are going to be taken. But when you're talking about our back three and that pair in the middle of the park, it's got to be better than that is simply not good enough based on what we saw yesterday. And you can understand why so many Arsenal fans are calling for Arsenal to go out between now and the end of the window and invest in the centre of midfield. It is becoming more and more clear that that is so, so important for us. We're just not there yet in terms of quality. Yes, these players will perform um, often, um, but are they going to perform often enough for us to get a top four finish? Are they going to perform often enough to ensure that we don't see ourselves sort of overrun and beaten and embarrassed by sides that we really should be beating. Now, let's come on to talk about the winning goal um, because this was, again, one of the, the positives. And although overall Arsenal didn't play very well, the two goals were really pleasing to watch. They were pleasing on the eye and it was good to see, first of all, as I said, that intelligent run from Willian to create the space, essentially, for Lacazette in the middle of the penalty area. And then we saw uh, another bit of intelligent football from Arsenal um, later on, which led to the winning goal. Uh, of course, Eddie Nketiah, the man who got that. Now, I want to start this um, with a screen grab just here. And you'll see that West Ham are, are in their shape. Five men across the back line. A couple of midfielders just uh, protecting the defence. And you can even see that there's a, a couple of their sort of 
supposedly further forward players, Jared Bowen, etc., uh, in deeper positions, um, just all behind the ball. West Ham would have been more than happy with a point um, going into this game. Of course, though, you know, having performed the way they did, and we'll come on to look at the overall stats from the game uh, at the end, but taking into account the way they played, they would have hoped and, and thought that they probably deserved a little bit more. And David Moyes made no secret of that in his post-match interview, did he? He was very clear about the fact that he felt West Ham were very unlucky to be going away with nothing. Now, you see in this screenshot here, as I've said, I've, I've explained the sort of West Ham players' positions. And then you've got Danny Sabayos on the ball, um, sort of just entering into West Ham's uh, defensive third. Now, he gives the ball to Bukayo Saka, but then look where Danny Ceballos is now. And this is what Danny Ceballos and Arsenal's midfield don't do often enough when we're coming up against teams with a low block like this. Teams who are happy to sit deep, happy to um, happy to just let us have the ball in certain areas. Danny Ceballos takes a gamble. Arsenal have squeezed West Ham forward. You can see from Ser Kolasinac's position that he's stepped into that gap, isn't he? Um, vacated by, um, by Danny Ceballos in order to to allow the midfielder to just push on that little bit further. And it's a wonderful pick out from Bukayo Saka to find Sabayos. But by Sabayos making that run and Saka playing that pass, if you count them, there are four players on the screen, four West Ham United players that this run and pass has completely taken out of the game. And it's that taking a gamble, it's that taking a risk um, from a midfielder at points in order to progress just to give you that extra man as you're trying to break a team down and hopefully create spaces. We used to see Aaron Ramsey make this kind of run all the time. The problem was with Arsenal previously was that there wasn't the infrastructure and the support network behind him to cover that position in the event that we lost the ball. So I've already pointed it out, but you can see that as much as I wasn't a big fan of, of Sarah Kolasinac's performance, against West Ham United. He does step into that position. He does fill that role, allowing Danny Ceballos to move on and make this run. And when Bukayo Saka slips Danny Ceballos in, well, there, Arsenal are in a wonderful position. And I've got to admit, at first glance, when I saw this goal, I was worried about it being chalked off for offside. Um, but it was ironic, wasn't it, that it was the two players who had a little bit of a spat um, before the Fulham game. There was quite a bit made of that. The two came out immediately after the game and said, you know, that there was no issue. Not entirely sure what got what what sort of went on there, but nice to see it's resolved. And it was ironic that a week later, the two were combining uh, for Arsenal to, uh, to, to eventually win this game. Now, we talk a lot about Lacazette. We talk a lot about Enketia, who should play, who shouldn't. And, and I think they're very different players, whereas Lacazette is more willing to drop that little bit deeper um, and at times just check his run when Arsenal get into wide areas and they're looking for the pullback. Enketia is the complete opposite. Enketia wants to be on the shoulder. Enketia wants to get in front of goal first. He wants to get there quickly. And you saw that here. You saw, if I just take it back um, one screenshot, you can see that actually, I, I think it's Ogbonna, is actually dealing with him pretty well at the moment. I know in that particular screenshot, Eddie Enketia is just about onside. But by the time this ball goes into to Danny Sabas, Eddie Nketiah is on his bike and you can see now the distance between him and Angela Ogbonna. So it's that sharp turn of pace, that alertness, that, you know, understanding of, of how the play is going to go, where the ball is going to end up, that 
it is what is impressive about Eddie Nketiah, someone so young. And he turns and he spins and he gets there and he wins the game for Arsenal. And you can't ask more. And, and Mikel Arteta really, really, really celebrated that goal. And he celebrated the victory as well. And a lot of Arsenal fans have actually been having a go about the way Mikel Arteta celebrated. How can he celebrate like that? We just about beat West Ham. We were crap. We were rubbish. We were this. I think part of the celebrations is the delight that his substitutions have impacted the game in terms of bringing Eddie Nketiah on and him scoring the winner. Um, I think that's part of it. I think that he understands that it was a very poor performance and that's why he's so delighted with the three points. It's about installing that winning mentality. It's about developing this team. It's about improving this team. And and part of that is the mental side of the game. It's not just about tactics. It's not just about patterns of play. It is about that sort of, that mentality of we can win this game. And, and no matter how badly we're playing, there is that belief that Arsenal have what it takes to push on and go and win a game. And you saw that belief in Danny Sabas's run there. Because, you know, as I said earlier on, I gave Saka praise for the pass earlier on. So that's why it maybe feels like I'm glossing over that a little bit here. But it's the way that Sabayas just takes a gamble, something we never really saw him do under Unai Emery. We just see him think, you know what, and excuse my language, fuck it. I'm going to get on my bike here. I'm going to go make something happen. And he just by creating that overload, that extra man on that sort of inside left position, Danny Sabayas has opened West Ham United up and Eddie Nketiah has won the game for us. So, yeah, there, there were things that Mikel Arteta will look at and will be pleased with. And there were things that he won't be pleased with equally. There were things that really need improving. And we know that we go to Anfield next, um, you know, and, and of course, well, in the Premier League anyway. And we know that that is going to be a, a very difficult game. Of course, at the time of recording this, they've just won at Chelsea, who many people feel, uh, well, felt, maybe don't feel anymore that they were going to be title challenges. But, you know, we've got Leicester on... Um, Wednesday in the Carabao Cup, probably going to see a change side for that one. But then it's Liverpool away. Then it's Sheffield United, who we know are going to be stubborn opponents. And then it's a, it's three games, Manchester City, Leicester and Manchester United all in a row. So, you know, picking up these points is significant for Arsenal because of the even more so because of the fixtures that we've got coming up. And all of those things mustered into one is why I think Mikel Arteta celebrated the way he did and was so happy with getting over the line. It's not because we just narrowly beat West Ham. It's because in the grand scheme of things, when you put it all into context, actually picking up six points in our first couple of games, given our next fixtures, was vital. And we've done it. We've got it. Um, right. Get your questions in the live chat as well. I'm just going to share a quick message from our sponsor and then we will come um, over to those as well. So if you haven't seen it already, I'm sure you have though. Um, our podcast is now sponsored by manscaped.com. So if you want your uh, body hair to look as neat and as tidy as the Emirates Stadium pitch, then head over to manscaped.com. If you enter our discount code, which you'll see Rolling across the bottom of your screens now, Chronicles AFC, all in capitals. You will get 20% off at manscaped.com. So do check it out. And our thanks to them uh, for their support uh, for the podcast. Right, let's go over to the live chat. Let's have a look at some of your comments. Smash the uh, like button, guys, if you haven't already. Um, it is very, very much appreciated. I did see some questions in here. 
let me just uh pick those out uh da -da 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 -da. right here we go um archangel says what are they waiting for harry to save a few quid and maybe miss out on vital points so you're talking about sort of the transfers and getting those deals over the line in answer to your question of what are they waiting for i think they're waiting to sell to be honest um they're waiting to try get some deals done, to try and move some players out, to potentially raise some funds, take people off of the wage budget. There are a few names that we think could be um, heading for the exit door between now and the end of the window. But as I've been saying all along, clubs are going to bide their time. Clubs are going to wait. Clubs are going to come to us towards the, the latter stages of the window with, I guess, derisory offers for, for some of those players in the hope that We'll be so desperate to shift them, we will sell. And I, I very much do think that's going to be the case with a number of these players. Um, you know, we're being linked with uh, Socrates moving, Torreira moving on. Um, there's a couple of other names in there. Kalasinac is one that is being spoken about quite a bit at the moment. I mean, for me, when I look at, and I know he's injured at the moment, but when I look at sort of Rob Holding's performance yesterday, I, I, I actually prefer Mustafi. There you go, I've said it. I think that Mustafi under Mikel Arteta has been a new Mustafi, a better Mustafi, an improved Mustafi. And I actually think that he's better on the ball. He's more comfortable in possession. He's got a little bit more pace as well um, than Rob Holding. So I actually think that when he it, had he been fit now, he would have been in the side ahead of Rob Holding. And look, if an offer comes in for Rob Holding, that means we can raise some money to do some of those deals. He's another one I would consider selling. Let's see what else uh, we've got here. Uh, Bronze Dossa says that Enketia reminds me of Defoe and Ian Wright. Certainly got that Ian Wright sort of, um, you know, that being able to sniff out the danger, being able to understand sort of early what's happening and, and turning and spinning and making that run into the penalty area. So I, I, I get the comparison. Of course, uh, he's been a bit of a mentor for Eddie Enketia as well, has Ian Wright. Um, so I'm sure he's given him a few hints and tips along the way. Uh, Chris Pantelli says, Harry, big you and your channel up, mate. Very poor performance last night. Josh, in fact, but thank God for the three points. But last night highlighted just how much we need midfield reinforcements. Agreed. Um, agreed. Uh, let's see what else we've got here in terms of your live uh, comments. Uh, Yonick Max said, Arteta's press conferences are kind of boring. I mean, he just acts the way I guess a manager should act in front of the press. Um, you know, you're not going to get those outrageous sound bites from Mikel Arteta. But he isn't afraid to criticise his players when they don't play well. He, he said it after the game. We, we made it a lot more difficult for ourselves than it needed to be. And I thought he was spot on with that. I thought he hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I like listening to Mikel Arteta. I really do. I feel like he, he speaks clearly. He speaks well. Um, and I enjoy listening to him. Uh, let's see what else we've got here in terms of your comments. Um, da -da -da -da. Where was that one? There we go. Matt uh, says Mustafi Lewis Gabriel isn't a bad back three, to be fair. Yeah, look, I actually like Kieran Tierney in there. And I like Kieran Tierney in there at the moment because of the way that this system shifts from a three into sort of a back four when we've got possession. So... If you've got Tierney on the left side, for example, and then Ainsley Maitland-Niles as the wing-back, but you're asking that wing-back to drift in field, to join in with midfield play, then I think Kieran Tierney is actually the perfect hybrid for that left-sided defensive role in this Arsenal side. So I would go with him. Um, 
Gabriel, I'd probably play Gabriel, Lewis and Tierney in an ideal world. But then Gabriel's left footed, isn't he? And so is Tierney. And then maybe that makes it a little bit lopsided. We know Mikel Arteta places quite a bit of importance, actually, on which foot the centre-backs uh, play with. Um, let's see what else we've got in terms of your comments. Marble Horse TV says, I thought Saka was poor in this game. Didn't create as much as he could have. Oba's off-the-ball movement was good to see. Yeah, I, I, I echo that in terms of Saka. I didn't think he was particularly good. But as I said a little bit earlier on as well, he did play vital parts in both goals. And for that, he deserves uh, some credit, I guess. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Going to pick up just one or two comments before we uh, end the stream there. 95 Winston says, pity. We didn't have a multi-billionaire owner to lend us a few bob while we try to shift players. Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, you'd like to see that, wouldn't you? You'd like to see them make the investment, put the money on the table. We know FFP rules have been relaxed with all this COVID stuff. So you'd like to see them say, you know what, Mikel, we believe in you. We're going to back you. Get those deals done and we'll move those players on as soon as we possibly can. But I can't see that happening somehow. And I think Nimsy Lot agrees um, <laughs> with your sentiments there. Um, big hello to Tony Whale uh, joining us from Cornwall. How you doing, mate? Welcome to the stream. Thank you for tuning in um, as always. Uh, yeah, lovely. Um, I think we're going to end it there. I think that brings us to the end um, of the stream. Don't forget to head over to chroniclesafc.com. Um, there are some articles going up on that website daily. Um, feel free to leave your comments there. Share the articles. Let's give the website some love. Um, and Jay has done a, a really decent article today on uh, five things we learned from the West Ham game. So check that out. Uh, ChroniclesAFC.com. Let us know what you think. Share your thoughts as well uh, in the comments section there. And uh, yeah, give, uh, give the articles some love. Give the people that are writing them some love. Right, that brings us to the end of our Arsenal versus West Ham review show. Um, as I said, right at the top, I'm going to end it on the same note. It was late. It definitely wasn't fucking great. It wasn't pretty. But Arsenal, get over the line. Arsenal are um, in second place in the Premier League currently. And if the season was to end now, you'd take that, wouldn't you? Um, so, yeah, lots to be positive about, despite, I guess, a subpar performance. Um, but it doesn't matter because Arsenal got over the line. It's two wins from two. And we go into the game at Anfield uh, next Monday, knowing that we've already got six points on the board. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Hit the like button if you haven't already. And we'll be back tomorrow with another live episode. Until then, take care.